Welcome, you are listening to Sex, Love, Joy, an interview series hosted by me, Anayin Bjorkwist, in which special guests share how they connect the dots between sex, love, joy. On today's show, I have with me writer, podcaster, and educator, Miko Technogasha. Hi, Miko. Welcome to Sex, Love, Joy. Hi, thanks for having me. We have been friends for quite a while. Yes. And I've followed the evolution of your work. <laughs> so I want you to tell about how you started writing and how you started sharing almost everything that you're going through online. Oh, wow. What was so like bizarre about how I started is that I didn't wake up one day and decide this was what I was going to do. It found me and it found me through an email that I wrote. So, um, you know, way back in the day, uh, a couple of years ago, I was going through um, just a really tough time. I was depressed. I had been a mom for a long time, so felt like I had no purpose. I mean, motherhood is a purpose, but you know how when you don't have a career for a while and feel you, yeah, you're sort of like, you know, w- you know, what can I do in this time where the kids aren't here? And I had gained weight, and I just wound up trying to do some ways to get myself out of that. I lost a lot of weight, and and I was looking for things online, and I had a community that was making me feel better about myself. I found sex positive people, and um, then I discovered non monogamy, and it's something I can't say I discovered it. We had tried years ago and got afraid because there wasn't a whole lot of uh, support online and a whole lot of information. We felt like this is something we wanted to do, um, but we were worried that we didn't look good enough. We weren't cool enough and we were scared and we stopped. And while listening to to, uh, shows like Sex is Fun, um, that was starting to come out like, well, maybe we need to open up our relationship too. And, and bring that in and have experiences with other people. Sex is, is Fun led me to Life on the Swing Set. I loved their podcast. What I loved about it is they felt like people like me, geeky people who are getting like yeah. the pleasures in life. And they talked about things that I understood. And I started following them on Twitter and having little Twitter conversations with them. And they had a, uh, an episode where Prof was a guest and he um, – Cooper was telling him how much he wanted a high-quality ejaculating dildo and could not find one. <laughs> he could find cheapy ones out of, uh, you know, plastic that's not body safe, but he wanted a silicone. I'm a researcher. It's what I've done for years. It's what I I, I love doing it, like, passionately. I, you want something, I will find it for you and love every minute of it. So I did research, and in two days I wrote him something like a 1,500-word email <laughs> With links and, you know, explanations. I couldn't find what he wanted, but I at least told him what I found and led him in a direction. And the very next day after I sent that email, it was like late at night that I don't know if I should hit send because maybe he'll think I'm a crazy person. (laughs) (laughs) Aren't we all, though? (laughs) Exactly. But a good kind of crazy. We all have to remember we are good crazy. And um, the next day I'm on Yahoo checking my email and boop, there's Swing Set Life pops up. And um, he wants to be friends on Messenger so we can chat. And the first thing is, I loved your email. Uh, Then the next thing is, I want to publish your email. And the next thing was, I want you to write for the Swing Set. And I was literally like, oh, my God. (laughs) First of all, it's like, oh, my God, Cooper's talking to me. (laughs) The thing, it was like that whole thing of he was excited to talk to me because he was excited about my work. And that's like mind blowing to me that I would generate anything on, you know, on the Richter scale for anybody interest wise. And I messaged back and we started a conversation and he asked me on as a writer and kind of the rest was history. It was like being shot from a rocket. (laughs) It wasn't a slow progression of writing and work and becoming a personality. It was literally like I, I struggled through three articles that I thought were awful, but I sent in anyway. And then we worked on stuff. And then I month and a half later, I published my first article and then there was another and then people were retreating them and sharing them. And um, I started talking more with people online and people were encouraging me to branch out. And I wrote for sites like yours. And in six months, I was sitting at Catalyst Con in Long Beach 
talking to all of you, wonderful people like you and Dixie and Allison Moon telling yeah. me, girl, right, tell your story. It is valid and you're going to help people. Oh, that was like life changing to, you know, to hear that because I wasn't sure if this, if it wasn't just sort of like a, you know, like a, a you know, a temporary thing. You have really strong mama energy, like mama bear. <laughs> I want to dive into this. Am I doing enough? Because mm. I have this theory that we mothers can never sacrifice enough. We could sacrifice and sacrifice and take everything that we need away and give till we can't give anymore. And we will still think that we're not giving enough. Yeah. And for me, I've, I've learned and I now believe that pleasure and sex are essential aspects to being a good mom. Oh, yeah. How do pleasure and sex make you a better mom? Oh, wow. I think for me, the biggest thing was um, not only in feeling um, fulfilled sexually, you know, that, that, that releasing the endorphins and the dopamine and the oxytocin and, you know, all that stuff that happens. Look at you going through. into the geeky stuff. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I love it. <laughs> and, um, you know, it, that you forget, and I think it, this happens a lot with mothers and uh, mothers in, uh, say, like either long-term relationships, even more so, because after a while, your long-term partner uh, almost becomes like another child to you. <laughs> <laughs> Not like in a, you know, they're acting like a child way, but you're caring for yeah. people and you're taking care of them. And a lot of your life becomes so overwhelmed with the routine of getting through the day and accomplishing things. And you become overwhelmed by that. And then you forget that there's this thing you need to do that fires off stuff in your brain that makes you happy and um, makes you feel better about yourself. For me, the big thing also was self-esteem. Mm -hmm. When I stopped feeling like the overwhelmed mom, mm -hmm. you know, and had took a break and got out of that and stepped away from my children and went out and was like a woman somewhere, even if it was just dressing up and going out somewhere mm -hmm. where people appreciated how I looked and I had a good time. Yeah, again, just fires things inside of you. And then I go back to my kids and I'm happier. I'm calmer. It's like the person I was between f sort of finding myself after that last big drop and getting out there and doing things like I'm telling you, even just going to like a body show yes. where I would deal with what I used to call the hug parade. <laughs> I, I, I did body slam. I stood at the door and I got people to tell their stories and uh, because I'd met so many people locally, when they would come through the door, the first thing I would get is open arms and a hug. And when you let, you know, 100 people into the room and you know a majority of them, that's a heck of a lot of hugs. And so I that, again, builds me up. And so the next day when my kids are acting a fool <laughs> or you you can't believe they've left the towel on the floor, even though you tell them every day to pick them up or they're fighting or they talk back at you in a way where you want to lose your mind. Um, it, I, being a happier person through more intimacy and and sex seems to balance out uh, my hormones and what happens in my brain mm -hmm. and I'm a calmer mom I'm a more attentive mom I'm a more present mom um, and I really think that it makes me a better parent uh, the only problem is is that motherhood is so uh, it, it's it, it never slows down yeah it's cyclical yes Exactly. It'll get easier and then it'll get harder and <laughs> yeah. easier and harder. And you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> Does this shit ever stop? <laughs> exactly. So sometimes you, even though you know that taking that time with your partner or having that time with yourself or doing something else that fires off you know, those things in your body that make you feel good, you know, where you suddenly start making 
sex less of a priority because you're tired Mm -hmm. and you're overwhelmed and you're stressed out and you just want to go to bed or you just want to curl up in a corner and, (laughs) and, you know, uh, block everything out. It's, It's easy to forget that you're doing yourself a disservice in that. And I think as mothers, we go through that cycle. Mm-hmm. a lot it's like you have to put your mommy shield down <laughs> and just be a woman and just enjoy and and tap into pleasure because when you don't mm-hmm. then that's when resentment builds and I think resentment is the biggest killer of being a good parent or being a good partner and I, I think that's what pleasure and joy and sex really really do for moms and they have no clue and a lot of them actually do have a clue. They just don't know how to ask for it. Yeah. So I want to know your tips for women to be able to embrace their sexuality and start asking themselves and their partners for what they need. The thing, first of all, what's really important is to remember that it's part of your, um, like your health routine. Like part of me being an effective parent um, was also, you know, at this time when I felt like I wasn't uh, doing very well was my health was failing too. I wasn't watching what I was eating. I wasn't exercising. I gained a lot of weight and, um, by focusing on my health, taking time, like, okay, maybe this thing, you know, the dishes don't get done because I have to go to the gym. Um, you know, things like that, because I realized that, um, feeling better, you know, health wise. And I think that, because we're a society that doesn't talk about sex a whole lot Mm -hmm. and how important it is physically and mentally, we forget the health connection of sexuality. And I think also um, you have to remember that you are a person first (laughs) before you are a mother or even a partner. Uh Um, And that that if there's something really truly lacking in your needs, that's going to echo and be felt in, in other things. Um, don't ever feel like you're asking too much. Um, think of, it's one of those things where you can think of it in the ratio of things that you give to the world. You get your kids up in the morning, you deal with them whiny and not putting their shoes on. You get them (laughs) to school on time. You bring them their lunch when they forget it. And you're there for your partner, you know, uh, being supportive when they've had a bad day and making sure there's dinner on the table or whatever it is that you've done for your family in the scheme of all that you do for the people in your life, asking for this little bit of pleasure and, um, attending, attending to your own health is really not asking for a lot. And in asking for this, you will then be able to give more to your family and to your partner. I think there's so much to be gained. And I don't think we realize that and tell your partner that, (laughs) (laughs) you know, if you have a hard time asking for what you want, Mm -hmm. um, Maybe thinking of it in a, they're going to benefit so much from your happiness and glow that it's not just asking them to give you something, but you're also giving something in return that you are going to um, have so much more energy and life and love to give people. Uh, Why would you not ask for something that is going to, you know, sort of breathe fire on those embers Mm -hmm. and keep your inner glow going. How did you get your husband to join you on the journey? How did you get from overwhelmed, stressed mom to writing for a major swingers website and, (laughs) you know, having his support to leave him at home with kids so that you could go to conferences and that you could do your thing? I, I, it's interesting is I think it was just it's it's communication, communication, communication and, and finding finding ways to figure out how because it's I have a really hard time telling people what I want. And and it's funny because even though all these years of, of kind of being out and being in situations where I have to even speak more yeah. about what I want, I have this 
and I tell people, it's like sometimes it's this weird invisible barrier. My brain is saying, I want to tell you this. Here are all the words. <laughs> I have it all figured out. But it doesn't activate the muscles in my mouth. <laughs> and I, I have yet to figure out what that is. I don't know if it's just the way my brain works, if it's something that happened throughout my life where maybe I used to say things and I got shut down and now my brain says, no, you say what you want. People shut you down. And um, But I found that sometimes when the words can't come out of my mouth, I have to find other ways to communicate. So it was, I also had the, uh, the luck of having a husband that is intuitive and is sensitive. Which goes into the whole thing of that I've been frustrated with people when they do the, oh, he should know. I've always hated that. Yeah. Oh, so that, that helps too. If you know that your partner is not psychic. <laughs> I've written about this. So I'm like, I'm laughing. <laughs> and you pouting or heavy sighing or rolling your eyes or being short tempered. Uh, is not giving him the clue that you're upset um, does not then make it their fault that they don't, that they can't meet your needs. You need to find other ways because sometimes guys are, you know, are not, Hey, it's women too. There are some people that they're the way that they take in the signals of the world are not that subtle. They're either distracted by other things or they're not used to reading people. There are people who can't even read other people's signals and don't even know it. Um, I'm, you know, lucky that I have a husband that sees all of those things can sometimes can tell when I'm upset about something and I don't even realize it and is willing. He's a communicator and he will come out and say something and say something. And when I was really, really depressed and not in going through all this stuff, part of us reading and listening to this stuff was that communication. He went, went to sex is fun because we wanted sex to be fun again. Yeah. And we were having a heart. So let's listen to other people that are going to give us clues. And we got a book, we got the sex is fun book, which is awesome. And it gave you techniques and it was, um, here's a question, write down the answer. And we started to realize that while I can't, often directly tell somebody what I want and need. Mm-hmm. I have ways I can circumvent that. Um, I started writing emails to my husband hmm. when I was really, really upset about something or I was really, really struggling because I started to realize that I'm more open in the open word and the spoken in the written word, at least at that time than I was in the spoken word. I get upset when I say certain things Um, I worry that I'm going to upset the other person with my honesty and I can't deal with their reaction. I react strongly by people's emotions in their voice, in their facial expression, uh, in their uh, body uh, movement, their body language. And that can stop me from being honest and being open. And I found that when we would have these email conversations or we would get like a card game that had questions in it. Um, or we would listen to a, a swing set episode before we weren't even considering being open. We just thought they were fun and we love that they were open sexually. And that started conversations. Hey, did you hear that funny thing that happened this week? And Oh yeah, that sounded so cool. And then all of a sudden we were talking about what we wanted. So it was playful for you. Like you, yeah, he wanted you to talk about it. And then you figured out like playful, not exactly direct ways of addressing it. Exactly. Exactly. And not to say, you know, male, female, because it applies to to everyone. We're on different dynamics of, of the scales. And I feel that a lot of partners, although they might seem closed to communication or they might not be the type of person who necessarily wants to talk openly I think most people who are in a long-term relationship truly want their partners to be happy. And mm. all the re- you know, the research shows that when both partners are happy, like, or when, when people are happy, the happiness level just goes up and like the kids are happier and everybody's happier. Even the cats and the dogs, like everybody's happier in the house. Exactly. And, the, and that magical vibe. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I love that, that you went with it in a playful way of like, let's listen to these podcasts and let's attend these events and let's do these fun questions because 
I feel people like get so close-minded that they they immediately tell themselves, I cannot have what I want. Right, right. And they think that they only have one method Mm -hmm. to get what they want. And if they find that that one's not working for them, they just like (laughs) throw their hands up in the air. Nope, I'm I'm done. I can't. Not realizing that sometimes it's finding out uh, what your communication style is, what your partner's communication style is. Uh, It might be that you're comfortable talking to someone else. Yes. And getting it all out and then figuring out how to then take that thing that is uh, swirling inside of you that you can't control yet. And someone gives it back to you in a way that you can package it and then you can take that to your partner and be able to say things more clearly. Um, it could be text messaging. It could be uh, like like what we did, like writing emails to each other. Um, it could be one other thing we realized we have easier time talking in the car. Yes. Think that, you know, as mammals, the stare down is usually done to be confrontational and dominant. And here we are trying to have a, you know, on the same wavelength Com, you know, conversation. And it's tough though, because eye contact is also wonderfully intimate yeah. and it's a wonderful way to connect with your partner too. Or you feel like you're being heard. Exactly. Cause there are times we're just looking in each other's eyes. Just, it's a melty, wonderful feeling. But when you're talking about something that's uncomfortable or that you're not quite sure about, then there is that, that moment where is that eye contact now frightening Yeah, because it's, it, it's too much in your face and there's, you know, so I totally get that. We have to find that the car is great. Any place, the restaurant is great. Any place, like sometimes it's us in the kitchen cleaning up or making dinner together because we're looking at other things. Mm-hmm. We're looking at what we're chopping or what we're washing or what we're putting in. And we're just letting words tumble out of our mouths. And we'll, <laughs> and, and we'll often have deeper, more heartfelt conversations there than we would have if we sat across from each other, like on the table, at the dinner table and said, okay, we have to have a talk. Um, so it's nice that it's never prefaced. It happens uh, organically. And we found ways to sort of get around our barriers to talk about the things that we want and finding ways in which we feel really comfortable. I know my biggest issue when I'm asking for things or telling somebody what I need from them is sort of twofold and that I'm afraid of the rejection that they're not going to want to give me what I want and they're going to say no, or I'm afraid of the emotional reaction of what I'm asking them for. You know, that if I'm going to ask for, you know, uh, I want to do this, you know, either I want to have sex more often or I want to do it differently or um, uh, I'm having trouble relaxing in the bedroom. Can we do it somewhere else? Um, or in our case, it was like, I would like to see other people and have other people come and, and join us so that, I can, you know, go out there and experience other things that I felt I didn't get to experience in my youth. Like, you know, some people, you know, got to, right? I didn't date much and I met my husband young. And uh, you have that fear when you get to middle age that uh, there's, you know, stuff you missed, you know, the fear of missing out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's, I think that's what middle age, uh, you know, uh, crisis is all about. It's all FOMO. It's a hundred percent FOMO. I don't think it's just middle age because I've had coaching clients that were like about to have that quarter life crisis Uh, and they've come to me like, I didn't do this when I was 16. I was like, you're a baby. You're a baby. (laughs) Like, and and then they realize like, oh, I have my shit way together compared, you know, to like, (laughs) I'm always like the fact that you're seeking, you know, these things at 25 and you know this. You're way ahead of the curve. Actually, doing great. <laughs> you didn't miss out on anything. <laughs> Other people figured things out way late in life, and a lot of this transition for me was like that. I was realizing things about myself that I had never realized before, and was seeing things that I had never seen before. And that fear of uh, rejection, or even just saying this is what I want, and then he, him being sort of horrified, and, "Oh, I can't be with you." Um, that the possibility of that happening was so stressful that I stopped communicating Mm -hmm. and that wasn't doing us any good. So I had, by finding, like I said, these other ways in which it was less stressful. And, and also I found that by writing or doing things, um, electronically, either with a written letter Mm -hmm. or I, I did a couple of handwritten letters too, um, 
it gives the other person time to process and time to process where you're not standing there staring at them. <laughs> like, what is he thinking? What is he thinking? He is mentally packing everything up he owns in the house and getting ready to get in the car and leave because I'm a freak for asking. Because <laughs> <laughs> our brains, well, at least my brain will do that. Um, it gives time for then my partner to process what I've told him and what I've asked and then for him to come up with how he wants to talk about it um, and, to, and to lay his own fears because he's approaching me in the same way that if he says he's not in to something that I want to do that I'm going to be like oh what do you mean you don't want to do that even though we're not like that with each other at all we are so accepting of each other and we've never done that but we still have those fears built into us somewhere. Um, so that's really helped a lot. It helped a lot in saying this thing and getting through the rough parts and the, the times when it wasn't exactly working or times where it was happening better for one person and then not yeah. for the other. And then there was resentment building over here. And we also gave each other permission to be upset with each other and angry uh, and realize that it is an emotional um, stepping stone we need to be on in that moment. But it doesn't mean we're going to stay there. Yeah. No, because sometimes things are just going to go better for one person. When mm. do you feel most beautiful? Oh, wow. When do I feel most beautiful? I think it's when I'm – I know this is going to seem – like an odd thing to say is when I really feel like I'm me, I put something on, I put my, some makeup on and I was feeling really good and confident and I had something to look forward to. And I looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, I look like me. And that felt really good. And there have been times like when I've seen pictures of myself since then that I'm like, okay, that makes me feel really good. And then I go and when I feel good in what I'm wearing and I go out and it's not even that I'm being appreciated with words, but people are um, noticing me when a lot of people want to talk to you, when you get a lot of close contact with people or someone walks by you and they have to stop and talk to you. Um, stuff that sort of makes you seem visible and that people want to approach you, even though I'm not conscious of exactly what I look like, there's something that feels beautiful about that. I don't know if I, no, you did. You'd answer it. I want to know in those moments when you feel most like yourself, that mm -hmm. you feel most beautiful. Is there anything that you're doing for yourself that got you there? Oh, wow. Um, taking care of my health, um, exercising regularly. So, and even though that doesn't necessarily uh, uh, really change my body, um, when I'm feeling good health-wise, I have energy and I, you know, that kind of gives out a different um, feeling and wearing things that make me feel good finding a dress that I just love. You have your own style too. Every time <laughs> yeah. I've seen you, you have a signature style that's Miko. Yeah, and it, it, you're yeah. one of the people that inspired me that like, I, I could care less about clothes sometimes. I love shoes, but not clothes so much. And every time I've seen you, you have had your own style. And I'm like, oh, I want to have my own signature too. <laughs> I it's what makes me feel good. Yeah. And, and, it's, and it's, it's really tough to be a middle-aged mom in the suburbs. <laughs> Different. You think it's, it's weird in high school when you're like the odd goth girl that doesn't look like everybody else. It's even harder when you have kids and you're in the suburbs. <laughs> and people are like, you're not supposed to be dressing like that anymore. You're supposed to leave that behind in high school. Yeah. And you're I, supposed to wear heels. Who said? Who said? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. There are all these ideas. And for a, a lot of what was happening at this time, the, the town that I was living in, I used to call them Stepford Wives. Like, they were very nice people, very polite, always talked to you, very sweet, very – every single one of them looked exactly alike. 
it was like they all had this uniform. My husband says that one time we went to a school event and he found me very easily because I was entirely dressed in black in a sea of women wearing white jeans and color print uh, and tailor dresses. And the funniest thing is that like you and I connect so well on so many (laughs) levels and I would be the chick in the like six inch heels and the white jeans and a hot pink top (laughs) and you'd be wearing all black next to me and I'd be like this is my girl like it doesn't matter. (laughs) And that's the thing if you're rocking what intuitively feels good on you put on that pink shirt and those white jeans and that heels you're like damn yes this is me this is me that's what's important and not thinking that you know other people are going to find you you know weird you know or unusual or dressing outside your age or outside of your you know uh the neighborhood or outside of you know it's it's weird how people are yeah and and that you know and then and i think that we get that through messages in media and from other uh, other women that have sort of been programmed to think in a certain way and it gets harder and harder and harder to go no no no, i'm gonna stick by my guns because this makes me feel good i can't wear that other stuff i don't feel right i like to dress up My, my best friend used to always make fun of me uh, because she's originally from California. So everything was dressed down. She was always like jeans and a pretty top and dressed up was like heels with jeans and, <laughs> and a nice top. Whereas if we were going somewhere, I was always in a dress and heels and full makeup and jewelry and my nails done. And she was like I'm rocking that hourglass <laughs> figure that you have. Exactly. Doing, I do 50s cocktail dresses yes. and all kinds of stuff. And she's like, what? We're, we're like going to the movies. Why are you <laughs> dressed like this? If you dress like they dress, you would feel like shit. You would like be not yourself in your body and being embodied. Mm-hmm. There's so much to it. Exactly, exactly. So I don't mind going to kid pickup wearing, you know, a punk plaid, you know, mini skirt and, <laughs> and black Converse high tops. And you, and you know. know, all the people that are staring at you, they want to go up to you and talk to you. They <laughs> really, really do. Because those stairs, I've, I've realized that those stairs are like, how dare you be yourself right now, exactly. right here? How dare you? How dare and then the next thing is like, I secretly want to do it too. <laughs> Which and not I... that they want to dress like you, but they, a lot of people, you see them and they put on the, the outfit of their neighborhood, like you said, or yeah. like the mommy uniform, thing. Yeah. And they don't feel comfortable in it. And I have a, a guest that I'm going to interview pretty soon. And what we've been noticing, and I know that that's part of her work is, you know, it's called Mama Body Love, but she feels great when she's dressed down and when she's in her sweats or yoga pants or whatever without Mm. makeup. And now there's so many bloggers and writers and mommy coaches and they're telling women that yoga pants aren't okay or to like put makeup on. And it's like, no, fuck you. Like some people feel good. Like, yeah, (laughs) exactly. It's one thing if you are feeling depressed and, and, and sort of, you know, like drudgery and yeah. all if it represents that to you then maybe putting on something you know that makes you feel good it's not yoga pants but if that is your wheelhouse yeah then that's what you should be doing if that makes you if you can go out you can rock no makeup no makeup and a yo- and yoga pants and be sexy yeah. because sexy is what you are radiating from within it's not how much makeup you're putting on or the kind of shoes that you're wearing or there's plenty of sexy mamas out there in yoga pants and, you know, uh, hoodies and no makeup. Yeah. But if they're radiating confidence and feeling good, that is sexy, you know. Amen to that. I want to repeat that, that sexy is when you're radiating confidence. Mm. That is the biggest lesson that women can learn and what you said when when you are yourself when you see yourself mm-hmm. and and seeing yourself is part of that permission to be yourself exactly i i yeah. love talking to you, <laughs> oh, thank you. And, I, and i think that's also why what's important to me is doing things away from my children mm-hmm. 
And that was like a hard thing for me to do because when you, when your babies are little and there's attachment parenting and all these other kids, you have this idea that if you want separation from your children, there's something wrong with you, that this should be as a parent, what you should be desiring is to, you know, sort of have your kids at your bosom at all hours and how wonderfully fulfilling that is. (laughs) And then I, I had to be honest with myself. I need a break. Yeah. I love my kids. And I've said this to so many people to get them to understand why I do what I do and what I need from life um, for me to be uh, sexual and to be complete and to be myself is I realize that as much as I love my children, I don't always love parenting. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I find it very difficult. There are days I feel like I completely suck at it. Yeah. And I'm sure we all do. Yeah, I you do. Know, and, <laughs> and then there are times where I need to I need to be a person outside of my children and I need to go somewhere where someone isn't asking me for something 20 times a day or, um, you know, isn't hanging on me or doesn't let me finish a sentence or watch what I want to watch. <laughs> you know, sometimes having that 100% 24-7 attention is draining. It's not as fulfilling as the brochure would like you <laughs> to, uh, you know, to think. So going and doing, going out with friends, going out with my husband, uh, going out, you know, to, with other partners, uh, going to sex geekdom, doing body every month, um, things like that, where I am myself and I don't, I'm not, Go, like looking over my shoulder, like where are my kids or what are they doing? Or there's no distraction. Um, I can be 100% just me with no distractions. Um, and then I don't have to worry about what I say and what I do. And my kids see me leaving in sexy outfits and they, they like know now, oh, mommy's going out with her friends. If I come out with, you know, with heels on and a dress or with my punky outfits and, <laughs> and, and stuff like that. But they understand that me going out and spending grown-up adult time mm-hmm. is recharging. And then mommy's going to be happy and a happy mommy is a happy household. <laughs> it's and, happy kids. And kids that learn that it's important for them to be happy when they are adults. Because right mm-hmm. now they're in our sheltered bosoms and, you know, we're the mama hens that take care of them. But pretty soon, and time flies, they're not going to be protected by us anymore. And when they're out in the harsh world, if they saw people who who didn't refuel themselves and recharge, they They won't won't have a clue. And life's going to hit them really hard. Exactly. And they don't mind that I leave. I don't have kids with uh, any kind of attachment problems. When they were little, they were ready to see me walk away, which was... (laughs) Which, which is which is nice for me. I want my kids to grow up to be independent. I yeah. want them to want to go out. Mine are fiercely independent, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there will be a time where being independent, but mine are almost there. And we yeah, talked but... about that via messaging the other day where you were like, I know my family wants me to be happy. They don't yeah. mind when things don't get done. And that's the thing that I have to always remind myself. Because, again, d- depression whispers little lies Mm -hmm. and I start to worry that I'm not being a good enough wife and mother because I'm you know I forgot to turn that piece of paper in or that thing they asked me to get from the grocery store I forgot and then when they're like mom yeah (laughs) god well you know and then you know when I don't have time for my husband or when he comes home and I feel like the house is chaos and everything I sometimes worry that why am I not on top of this but I have to remind myself that what's important to them is not the dishes in the sink and really that thing that I forgot it's if I can if I if that crushes me and gets me down then I'm not there for them physically and emotionally if I'm depressed that the dishes aren't done and the house is a mess I can't be present and mm-hmm. and connect intimately with my husband because I'm depressed and unhappy and they <laughs> and even like you know my kids I was really upset the other night because I kept trying to get something going and I was tired and everybody was trying to help me and finally I just was like I don't know what to do I can't make any decisions I'm just and I was all upset and the next day, my kids were like, we're going to help you out. Wow. And and they, like, did chores around the house. And they knew I was frustrated with the den. And they picked stuff up. And they put, what do you want me to do? And it, there's that realization of really what 
your partner and your most, I would like, I would like to think your kids too, is they really want you to be happy. They may vocalize that moment where they're not getting their needs met. But when I can go and be separate and not be a mother and be a person, an independent person who is um, interacting with everyone else, I come back a more fulfilled, happier person. Amen to that. (laughs) I I get you because people don't realize the power of creating your own community of like-minded souls to give you that love. We talked about this before we turned on the recording. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you, what do you do when love isn't enough? I'm still figuring that out um, because I'm finding that there are times where, especially now, because right now I am separated from my partner 90% of the time. First time like this ever since we met. I um I want you to tell the listeners where they can find you. And then I have one last question for you. You can find me on Facebook. I'm Miko Technogeisha. I also have a, a like a, there's a regular fan page there that I usually post like articles and things like that on. But friend me on Facebook. I love being friends with people. You can find me on Twitter as at Technogeisha. Um, I'm also on FetLife as Technogeisha. <laughs> um, if you want to find me there. I'm uh, Every week, I'm one of the hosts of Life on the Swing Set. Uh, where we talk about all aspects of sexuality, not just swinging. We talk about different types of non-monogamy and gender and um, risk-aware sex and all kink and all kinds of stuff. We just did a thing on sex and depression with the awesome and mighty Krista Ann. I'm also an emissary for Sex Geekdom. So if you're in the Chicago area and you want to come join Sex Geekdom Chicago, please do. We're on Meetup and we're also uh, on Facebook. <laughs> and... Um, trying to think if that's uh that's every i'm on google plus is technogasia miko technogasia um and i also do uh other podcasts if you want to check out stuff that's not sexually oriented um i do eat the rude cast which is about uh, hannibal and we're starting a, a damn good podcast where we're going to analyze twin peaks because it's rebooting next year so like yeah like i haven't been doing enough i'm also analyzing television shows now <laughs> In a weekly podcast. I feel so less than after, like, listening to them. And, uh, and occasionally, we've also been like, rebooting, and occasionally the Kinky Geeks comes out with uh, Ophelia Tesla. But unfortunately, her work schedule is so horrific right now. Um, she can't always, you know, uh, fit in time to podcast. So we're not regularly scheduled. But if, if we talk about just uh, kink and geeky stuff. So everything from Comic-Cons to uh, BDSM all-in-one podcast for those of you that didn't catch the list that's as long as my short (laughs) leg (laughs) i'm gonna put it on the website so that you can follow her in all (laughs) the ways um you can also find us together at catalyst con east where we're going to be talking about motherhood depression and sex and i'm so excited about that panel it's an amazing panel and I think what I'm also excited about it is that it seems to be like all the things that I've wanted to talk about this year. This is the one thing that I think is going to be a focus of mine and something close to my heart mm-hmm. um, as time goes on. Because uh, I talk about it just because I talk about it. You know, I want people to understand that there's a connection between being depressed and losing your libido and and how difficult that can be. And then it's suddenly all these things that I've been talking about have come to a head with you being inspired to do this panel and then stuff coming online and talking to Christiane about her yeah. uh, situation. I and saw that, that and I was like, oh, my God, like. People are finally talking about this. They're yes. finally talking about depression and sex because there's a lot of people who aren't moms who are talking about depression and sex now. And yeah. there's moms who are like, I need my orgasms. I have to dive into her work. I haven't had the chance to yet, but I'm so excited just seeing it on my timeline because I saw it through you guys through the Life on the Swing set. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow. It's the time is now. Yes. And and it's kind of like because um, – uh, uh, Joellen Redhead Bedhead yeah. online and Dr. Stephen Biggs, who's um, does a lot of stuff online too. They've been talking also a lot yeah. about sex and depression. It's, it's a very important thing for them. And doing it very well also. 
Oh, yes. So it's like you can tell in general it's something that's coming to a head. Yeah. In motherhood, it's definitely because we have hormonal things that happen and body changes and stuff that, you know, comes in from the outside. And it was interesting. Joellen had written something the other day about how um, there are things that people don't know and don't disclose and that um, doctors aren't talking about, about how uh, antidepressants and medications and things like that will affect you. And they don't think to tell you <laughs> that even a medication that has nothing to do with something you know, or something else in your life or a health issue, that a depression is a whole bunch of different things and that they can't just throw one drug at you and you're cured. Yeah. Because that could trigger something else or you could find something else that needs another or it could be a food that you're eating along with your – she's like it was her sort of frustration of wanting to like, you know, shake these medical professionals and go, we are not all the same We're people. Not. Why can't you realize that and the medical profession – really work to help people with depression. And I wrote on there, we're depressed as hell and we're not going to take it anymore. It's <laughs> <laughs> got to the point where we're like, we're depressed about being depressed. <laughs> exactly. But I think we're tired of it, you know, yeah. and realizing that, that we need to start talking about it and we need to start um, finding ways to help each other out of it. That so for some people, medication doesn't work. For some people, medication takes you out of depression, but then affects you sexually. And then you have to deal with how that works with where you are in your life and, and your experiences. You know, I was dealing with motherhood and, uh, you know, a financial collapse and a move all in one year. How, how can you be sexy when you're trying to survive? <laughs> or happy. <laughs> or happy. <laughs> Forget sexy. Like, <laughs> how, how can you not be afraid of, like, losing everything and, like, what do I do then? I mean, it, it's so much where are you now and yeah. what in the past are you still holding on to? Exactly. And I hope that our panel is that first step in this year really just touching people yeah. and making them realize that. Yeah. My last question for you. Okay. What do you believe, Miko? What do I believe? Yeah. What's the one thing that in your bones you believe? Oh, wow. Uh, this is really hard. I should be able to just I think the reason why this is hard for me to answer is that, especially now, after all that I've been through, they, it's, it's often hard to believe in anything um, because everything has been in such flux. And the minute I think something truly fully is something, then like a pin in a balloon, it is not. And sometimes it's slowly leaking out and you don't even realize it. And this thing that you so desperately want to believe in is just becoming this lifeless thing in your hand. Um, I guess the only thing I can believe in is that there is an amazing collective energy out there. And as someone who is a fallen Catholic and... Um, <laughs> has trouble with, I'm, I, but also does not consider themselves a true atheist. Yeah. I'm not such a nerdy geek that I just believe in science. Because I believe, it, but it's science-based mm -hmm. in a way. Um, I believe that there is energy that you and I and everything has a resonance and an energy. And we give that to each other and we take that from each other. And I think that I believe that that energy, if you can make good of that and give it and be open to receive it and find a way to cultivate it in a way that will energize you, can get you through anything. Because by not believing in that, I can't believe in the mere chaos and randomness of the universe. Because there are times I'm like, why the hell did that happen? And, and, or, you know, why did I do this wonderful, good thing, but then I got this terrible thing happen in return instead of, it's less karma about doing good and getting back, but I believe in the collective, uh, 
wonderfulness of the universe and that if you can get out there and lure that stuff to you, it will sustain you. Because what keeps me going is the belief of these wonderful energies that are building up around me from all these people. Because, man, when I think I've got nothing else left to believe in, they come in and they light their little candles and they raise me up again. I love that. (laughs) Such a great way to end on. And I can't wait to have you on here again. You and I could talk for hours and hours and hours. I can't wait to give you a hug. One of the most awesome things that I want to share before we go in at Catalyst in LA, uh, when on the very last day I was there, I had to leave early on Sunday morning. Uh, I was, at the end of a party and saying goodbye to people and the absolutely awesome Ruby Ryder. If you're not familiar with her, look her up online. She's got a podcast about pegging. That's awesome. <laughs> She's an awesome person. She came and she gave me this hug. We'd been talking all night and hanging out and kind of cuddling up on a couch and, and everything, but it wasn't a, Oh, hi. she like enveloped me and held me for the longest time. And then she like breathed in and she let out this sort of sigh and it felt so good. (laughs) And then I mentioned that to her later. I'm like, that was like the best hug I've ever had in my entire life. That was how, and she's like, well, when you um, hug somebody and you hold on to them uh, for 20, at least 20 seconds, you release oxytocin and you release all the good uh, hormones and everything that make you feel good. So I don't hug people, you know, that I want to give that to for just a couple of seconds. I give them the whole 20 seconds. So hug for 20 seconds, everybody, because it feels awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Miko, for being on Sex, Love, Joy. Oh, thank you for having me. And thank you for Sex, Love, Joy, because you've been inspiring me from the very, you know, beginnings of me doing this and being very supportive and, you know, helping me along. And you've been a very bright candle. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Sex, Love, Joy. For more interviews like this one and my other work, please visit sexlovejoy.com. I hope that listening to today's guests talk about living their truths helps you in your quest to do the same. Remember, thriving ain't easy, but adding a little sex, love, joy to your day makes the living a whole lot juicier. Until next time.